What is up, Grace412 podcast listeners? I am actually recording my second episode of the day, and so this is part two of the Grave to Glory series that we started a few weeks ago. I had gotten behind, and so we're just playing catch up as we recap uh, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, part two, Grave to Glory. We uh, finished out Luke chapter 24, and so in this series, we're looking at the encounters that Jesus had with people uh, between his resurrection and his ascension, the time that he spent on earth and uh, the last lessons he gave, the last charges that he gave, the um, the last call that he had to, to people, to action. And so we're studying this out in context. And so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 24, and we'll start in verse 12, sort of where we left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, and it says this in chapter 24, verse 12, it says, Then arose Peter. Uh, and ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself that which was come to pass. And so uh, this is just after the disciples had gone to the tomb, and uh, they hadn't seen Jesus, but we talked about a few weeks ago that Mary did actually see Jesus. And so uh, we're going to look at the story just following that. In verse 13 of Luke 24, it says this, uh, behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which have come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him and condemned him to death and crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, uh, which were early to the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had seen visions of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them that were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. And so here are a couple of disciples of Jesus. These aren't uh, the the main 11, right? But these are just a couple of disciples of Jesus. They're walking. They're talking about all that had happened. Uh, and then Jesus uh, appears walking with them, right? And uh, he asks what had happened. And they explained to him. They said, well, we thought that this was the Messiah, but then he was crucified. They said somebody said that they had, had seen him, right? The disciples said the tomb was empty. The, the ladies said they saw angels, but no one saw him. And then you look at what they say in verse 21, though. They said, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. In, in verse 21, you see it, it past tense. They said, well, we trusted that he was the Messiah. We thought that he would redeem Israel. But it, they said, it, it, it doesn't seem like that's the case. This is the third day since these things were done. Look at verse 19. It says, he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. You see how it changes in verse 19? They said, well, he was a prophet, a great one, mighty in deed and mighty in word before God and all the people. But verse 21, they said, we trusted it had been he that should redeem Israel, the, the conquering king that was coming to redeem us. You look at this and, and you think about the context of what's happening. 
and you realize things were not going how they wanted them to go, uh, one of the exciting realities about following Jesus is that it will not go how you plan. You say, that's not really exciting. Uh, we're going to get to the exciting part, but one of the, the realities about following Jesus is that it will not go how you plan. You will always be on your toes. You will always be surprised. You will always be on the edge of your seat. Um, Stephen Furtick, who you could take or leave, he, he gives an illustration about the people of Israel, and he, he, he holds up the, the picture of a puzzle, right? You know, when, when you get the puzzle and, and on the front of the box, it has the picture of what it's supposed to look like. Uh, but then you end up with all these pieces that have to come together to make that picture look like what it is, right? And, and, and a lot of times we are excited about the picture, but we don't like the pieces. We don't like the process. Jesus told them, I'm going to redeem my people Israel, right? Uh, all throughout the Old Testament, it was always pointing to a, a, a redeemer that was going to come, that was going to save the people of Israel, but they expected a king. Their picture wasn't even the same, right? They, they pictured something completely different. When they got these pictures, or when they got these pieces, they got a servant that came as a baby, as a poor person. Jesus said, I'm going to rebuild this temple in three days. They said, oh, I, I can't wait for him to rebuild the temple. But instead, he disguised himself and he walked among them like a normal person. He didn't come back as a conquering king who had risen again like they expected. They got the pieces and he does this with us sometimes as well. Uh, he promises to provide. And so we think, oh, he's going to provide uh, by working out this job situation. But he says, instead, I, I want to provide in a different way. And instead, I want you to wait six months. And after you've learned patience, then I might work out that job situation. There's pieces that have to come together to make the picture that God has painted. Uh, we think God's going to fix this relationship problem, but God says part of the pieces of that puzzle is that you would apologize, that you would learn humility. We think God's going to give me peace, right? I just pray for it and he gives it to me. But God says, first, I want you to actually learn something in the struggle, in the lack of peace, in the uh, lack of understanding, in the lack of clarity, because I want you to learn to have satisfaction and have peace in me and who I am. And all these pieces are going to come together and they're going to paint the picture that I have created, not the one that you've envisioned. The number one thing that we have to understand when we're following Jesus is what they had to learn to understand. And that's expect the unexpected. They said, we thought this was the Messiah, but it's been three days and uh, no one's seen him. Look at how Jesus responds in verse 25 of Luke 24. It says, Then he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Verse 26, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And what's interesting, if you go back and look at uh, John chapter 20, I believe it was, that we studied last week in Luke chapter 24, it says, did not Jesus say that he had to suffer all these things when he was in Galilee, right? It's the same thing he says to them here. Verse 26, then verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. He says, you slow to heart to believe all all that the prophets have spoken. He says, you're picking out the good parts. 
They're picking out the part about the conquering king, right? Not the part about the sacrificial lamb. See, the Old Testament was was flooded with scripture about Jesus suffering, about him being pierced, about him being wounded, about him uh, being born in a humble beginning, in a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem, you know, all these things. But they thought, oh, we thought he was going to be the guy that redeemed Israel. They picked out the good parts, and we do the exact same thing. It says he took them then through the scriptures, though. He directed them and expounded on all things concerning himself. Reality number two about following Jesus, it will always be about Jesus. When we understand that our lives are about Jesus, it changes everything. It changes the way we live our lives. It takes the pressure off of us to have to to do this on our own. It becomes the lens by which we view everything else. We start to see things through the eyes of the gospel and through the eyes of the resurrected Savior, and it begins to give us purpose. So you think about this. It says he went through all scripture, all things concerning himself. I don't know uh, what exactly he went through, but I know it was a long walk. And the Bible says he expounded on all things concerning himself. So he could have gone through uh, the he could have gone through Psalms, going through the prophets. It, and you look at those things, and they're all to Jesus. And so he he could have mentioned Adam and Eve and the very first sacrifice or gone through the Pentateuch and the children of Israel and the blood on the door, right? And the the serpent in the wilderness that as Moses lifted the servant in the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up or the stones of remembrance. He could have mentioned Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And how Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac in the land of Moriah. Kind of in a similar area as where Jesus was uh, sacrificed on the cross. But God provided a lamb for Abraham and for Isaac. He could have quoted David in, in Psalm 22 and so many of the other Psalms, just like Jesus did from the cross. All these things, the Old Testament, all of it, Jesus is walking them through it, and it's all pointing to Jesus. This is this is not just a part of our faith. This is the entire basis of our faith. The person of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, it is the whole point of our faith. That the God of creation from the dawn of creation had made a way to restore mankind back to himself. That creator God actually reached down to our level. He brought heaven to us. That's exciting. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That is what we live for. That's what we exist for. And so Jesus walked them through all of that. But as you think about this story and you think about the context of this and what happened and what Jesus was getting them to see, I think it's important for us to realize it's not going to go as planned. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to go as we planned it. It's a part of God's plan, but we don't see that yet. It's going to be messy. That's, that's kind of the whole point. When you look at those prophecies, you look at those stories, they all pointed to God himself being literally born as a baby, growing up a humble life, being uh, considered average, right? And then being homeless, being mocked, being thrown out of the synagogues, being uh, persecuted and, and shunned by the religious leaders, and then eventually being tortured and brutally murdered on a cross. That was the, the full picture, right? But then he rose again. He, he brought victory. He brought hope. And he said, if anyone's going to come after me, let him take up his cross. Let him follow me. 
Remember the criteria that Jesus set for being a follower of him? He said, follow me. He said, if anyone will come after me, take up his cross and follow me. We have to expect the unexpected, but two, we have to commit to the calling. We have to commit to making our lives all about Jesus. We have to understand, hey, this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be difficult. This is going to be messy. But I'm going to commit to making my life all about Jesus. Jesus points out to them all of scripture before him pointed to him. And all of scripture after him is going to point back to him again. Jesus breaks it down for him. He unveils all this scripture to them. And then we finish this story out, Luke 24, verse 28. It says, they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. He made as though he would have gone further. Verse 29, but they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So Jesus doesn't force himself uh, onto them in the conversation, uh, but they actually say, please, uh, we, they urged him, please stay, continue speaking with us about these things. Verse 30, came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread and broke it and said and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within them, within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened us up to the scriptures, they rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, found the 11 gathered together and they that were with, and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. That's verse 34. And so they, they, they talked to Jesus, right? He, he, he's eating with them and then he broke the bread and he blessed it. And at some point there, he allowed their eyes to be opened. They, they were able to see who he was. And just then he vanishes out of their sight. But you go back to verse 32 and look what it says. It says, once they realized that they said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within them? Didn't our hearts burn within us? But you look at what made their hearts burn. Uh, when he talked to us by the way, and while he opened us up to the scriptures, when he talked to us about Jesus, when he opened us up to the scriptures and what he, he talked to them about all things concerning himself, their hearts burned within them when they stopped talking and when they started listening. Many of us, uh, we don't get excited about the scriptures anymore. We don't get excited about uh, studying the life of Jesus. We don't get excited about reading things in context. Uh, and maybe the reason for that is because our voice is so loud that we can't hear what God is trying to say to us. Uh, we interpret text through the lenses of our own preferences or our own opinions and they're already firmly in place. A lot of us, we read scripture in order to affirm what it is that we already believe. But you go back and look at that last point again. That last point is that it's all about Jesus. What if we began to read scripture and we tried to see Jesus in everything? We tried to see uh, how we could live more like Jesus, how we could be more like Jesus. What if we began desire to actually hear from God again? We didn't just seek to affirm our opinions, but we actually desired to, to hear what it was that God was trying to say to us. I'm not talking about hearing uh, his audible voice or hearing some new revelation that he has to give to us. We don't need something new. God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. It says that in his word. Uh, God has revealed all of himself that he needs us to see in his word. Instead, maybe we need a new application. We need to see things with new eyes. We need to relearn what it is that he's saying. We need to, to read scripture without our own preferences, without our own biases. We need to read scripture again and study to listen and study to learn.
Jesus didn't tell these disciples anything new. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. That's how they knew to be waiting for Jesus. That's how they knew to hope that he was the one that would redeem Israel. They needed him to go back through the scripture again and unpack it to them and help them to see him through it. What would happen if we were to live this out, if we were to be excited again about who God is, if we were to study scripture with a new passion for who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing, if we were to see Jesus in every facet of our lives, then part three, it would change our lives. It would change our way of life. It would change everything. They said our hearts burned within us. The, the way that their language works, they were saying they were consumed by it. Uh, they were consumed by Jesus. They were consumed by his word. They were uh, looking forward toward the Messiah, and then Jesus uh, died, and then they were still talking about it even when he found them on the road there. They were consumed by the hope of the resurrection. And so what does this look like practically? For us, it looks like being a people who are consumed by the hope of the gospel. Um, we see a problem that we can't solve, well, the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We have a person that we're having a hard time forgiving. Um, Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them. He bestowed forgiveness upon the very ones who were crucifying him. We have trouble feeling alone or with doubt or we're struck with worry or pain or, or fear. We then read about how Jesus was in every way tried as we were so that he is not unable to sympathize with our weakness, but in every way understands our pain. And then we read in Romans 8 how our pain is not wasted, but instead it's not worth comparing to be uh, to the glory that will be revealed with us and the hope that we have of heaven. We read how nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, when we start to view Scripture through the lens of Jesus, it changes our way of life. To where we say, I'm going to make much of Jesus. I'm going to uh, make my whole life about him. Uh, their faith in the Messiah had at one point had them uh, left walking on a road, alone, confused, fatigued, doubtful, right? Uh, they wondered what the point of it was. They, they had their hope in Jesus and it seemed like he was crucified and they didn't know what would come next. But little did they know the pieces were all coming together and that Jesus was right there with them. And that's the hope that we have now as well, that Jesus is right here with us and the pieces are all coming together to make the picture that he has created. And that picture might not look like earthly good, but that picture has eternal purpose. That picture has eternal glory that only God knows and only God understands. And man, we can hope in that and rest in that and rejoice in that. And that's exciting. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we get to share with the world around us. So let's be intentional about doing that, not just this week, not just this month, not just this year, but every day of our lives from now until kingdom come that we would be a people that rejoices in the work that Jesus has already done and that our hearts burn within us when we think about that work. 